three grown men who care way more than they should. Glenn Clark. Glenn, no way. I'm sorry, Aaron. Did Alicia Fox call you the man beast? AJ Francis. And of course, everyone boos Roman Reigns, even though he puts on the best match of the night. Aaron Oster. Guys, look, there was that one time. You know, <laughs> oh, Aaron. You're the worst. You are the worst. This is jobbing out. Welcome in. It is episode number 141 of Jobbing Out. Glenn Clark, Aaron Oster from the Baltimore Sun and Rolling Stone. And of course, the main event. Tent, tent. AJ Francis. Oh, God damn it. You, you <laughs> son of a bitch. I hate you so much. All right. None of us are together this week. It's a complete S show. Uh, trying to figure out a time to do a show this week has been a disaster. It's actually mostly my fault, uh, to tell you the truth. Although AJ did compound things by uh, going back to Florida because he wanted to see Boys to Men. Now, I do not Look, blame I him. I don't blame him. Right. Yes. One bit. One bit as a man who has yeah, seen Boys to Men. That's where I'm about to go. Boys to Men, their uh, set starts at 5.30, so I uh, will be... In attendance. Their set starts at five thirty. They have they have it's like the Epcot show, so they have like three shows throughout the day. Got oh, got you, got you. One's, okay, one's at one's at like three, five thirty, and eight. Uh, all right, well that's dope. I mean, I have seen Boys to Men on a couple of occasions. I had Nathan on my show once, and it's it's oh my god, I love them so much. I can. Let's do Motown Philly together right now. Ready? Three, two, one. Motown Philly back again. Good again. Doing a little, little East, East Coast, Coast swing. swing. All right, that's good enough. We'll, we'll go with that. We'll go with that. Um, all right, uh, we've got a couple of guests on this week's show, neither of which AJ wanted a clear time uh, to be a part of because he's a jerk. Um, but we are going to share with you both of them earlier. In fact, if you've been following us on Twitter, you already know one of them because we gave it away as bonus content earlier in the week. Uh, Ted DiBiase, the million dollar man, is a guest on this week's show. Uh, AJ, I need you to update our bio to add another Hall of Famer to the list. Ah, I will do such. Please do that immediately because we've got the million dollar man this week. Uh, He had a documentary in theaters earlier in the week, which is why we had to release the content early because we wanted to plug this documentary that was in theaters for one night only on Tuesday night. But we got into a lot of stuff with Ted about his career, about his thoughts on some of the things that have occurred with guys walking out due to creative issues, his son, all sorts of stuff. Um, We covered that. It's a very lengthy interview. It's about 30 minutes long, and we will get that to you later on in the show. And most of that is him talking, not us. Oh, the majority of it, the overwhelming majority. I think 30 minutes, and how many questions do you think we asked total, Aaron? Six? Six, maybe, Yeah, yeah. yeah. About that. Uh, also, uh, you probably watched the Ric Flair 30 for 30 this week as a uh, nature you didn't, boy. What's wrong with you? Right. Shame on you. No question about it that. It was amazing. I agree. I thought it was out. By the way, we got to deal with that. Oh, we'll talk about that in segment number two. We'll save that. Um, but, uh, if you watched it, uh, we will be having Rory Karp on this week's show. He is the director of the Ric Flair 30 for 30 nature boy, which aired on ESPN. So a couple of great guests this week on jobbing out. A big week. A lot of stuff happening as they were on the UK tour. Boys, please allow this to me for me to be the part where I spend uh, my 30 seconds bitching about it being shows that weren't live. Yeah, but, there it is. And, and, and how terrible the UK shows always are. Well, this time the shows were great, obviously. They were tremendous, except for the fact that 
I couldn't avoid what had happened, and so I already knew. And I was pretty pissed off about that. I was pretty, pretty pissed off about that. Look, I get it. You got to do what you got to do. That's the way that it works. I just hate it. I hate when they're in the UK because I hate either knowing one of two things. Already knowing what happened or knowing that nothing important happened because if something had important happened, I would have already known about it. It's one way or the other. You can't get around it. I don't like it, and I have every right not to like it, and that's just the way it is. Okay, very good. Moving forward. There, there you go. Yeah, right. I'm glad we got through it. Now, yep. um, obviously the big story this week is we have a new champion on SmackDown as WWE did indeed pull the trigger, and they're going to give us a dream matchup instead at Survivor Series between AJ Styles and Brock Lesnar. I guess there's so many angles to this <laughs> that we need to, to handle all of them. Um, I'm going to start with the end result, which is, holy fuck, we're getting AJ Styles, Brock Lesnar out of this. Yay. I mean, may I never, may I, maybe I'm so tired from jerking off that my wrist never works again. You know, like, for F's sake, everyone is on board with that part of this, correct? Correct. Okay. Uh, yeah, you don't have to, uh, see, and, and the thing is, they don't have a lot of time to build it because they don't need yeah, to build it. Yeah, needs time it's to AJ build it. AJ Styles Brock, Brock Lesnar. Correct. Now there's the other side of this, which is one, why? right, right. Why? Why now? Why on SmackDown? Okay, go ahead. So to me, we were joking about like we, you know, gender is going to win, but none of us really thought he was going to win. Like we would say that because of how they had been pushing him against Randy Orton against Shinsuke, right? So I didn't expect he was he was going to win. I haven't said that last week. None of us really expect him to win. So if you're not going to win, are they really interested in trying to make him look like he could have beat Brock Lesnar when everybody else that didn't beat Brock Lesnar didn't really get that opportunity either, including John Cena? So then it makes me think, well, maybe they're going to do that with AJ Styles. AJ Styles is going to get a chance to actually look good. It'll be a good match. And then Jinder Mahal costs him out of nothing more than pettiness. And Jinder Mahal is the reason why Brock Lesnar wins. I actually agree with you 100% that that's probably the way they're going. My big question with this is, so this time last week, we thought AJ Styles was facing Rusev for a spot in Team SmackDown. That is what had been presented to us. It wasn't until the next day on Thursday that they announced on Twitter, oh, by the way, yeah, AJ Styles is getting a title shot instead. Right. So what changed between last week at this time and this week to for them to suddenly say, oh, yeah, even though we had built towards gender versus Brock, even though, you know, this was our thought process going forward, we're now going to reverse course on this. By the way, something I th- changed. Yeah, I think that's relevant, um, Aaron, and I, and I think it's very clear. I And I say this not because... If they always knew this was the plan, right? If I say, I mean, if they didn't really want Jinder Mahal in that match, they could have put the strap on Shinsuke Nakamura. Would anybody have had a problem with a Shinsuke Nakamura Brock Lesnar championship match at Survivor Series or champion versus no. champions match? <laughs> yes, n- never in a million years. So, so why now? What changed? What was unique? And that I actually think feeds more into that. This could have been a simple reactionary looking at the direction they were going. It is really interesting to me that they had put together packages for Brock Lesnar, Jinder Mahal. Right. Like, like this, this was, they were very clearly going in that route. This is a abrupt change of plans. Something, whether it's as simple as they changed their mind, which is possible for Vince, or if something happened, like a Jinder Mahal injury for all we know. Right. Which is 
you know, right. a possibility. Anything, correct. Something clearly happened to change. Because this was not built as title versus title. This is the WWE champion versus Universal Champion. This had been billed as Jinder and Brock going back and forth. The titles, the fact they were both champions, were almost not mentioned. Well, and the only real storyline involved was the idea that Jinder felt the need to prove himself, right? right. Like, that was the only true storyline that they had done, was that Jinder, for everything he had done, felt as though he had to beat Brock Lesnar in order to justify, you know, that he truly was a worthy, deserving champion, which, yes, correct, does not need... Um, this is this is sort of outside of the Raw versus SmackDown sphere. This had kind of stayed away from that. This the only true storyline aspect of this one particular match was Jinder. Before we ever knew it was going to be Raw versus SmackDown at Survivor Series, Jinder felt that he needed to do something to prove that he was worthy, and so Brock Lesnar was the way to go about doing that. I, I guess the question becomes: Does it does it matter? Does it does it matter at all? It's very clear. Yes. I I think I think it. One of two things happen, okay? And it's either really good for gender or really bad for gender, okay? He either, A, failed a drug test, and that could always be bad. It's, it's possible. The fact that we haven't heard about it yet, I feel like by now it would have been yeah, up you on You would think there'd be a lot of people so snooping I, on I, that. I'd yeah. be, I'm, I'm more intended, if it was something like that, I'm more intended to believe an injury at this point. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like He could have uh, he could have failed a drug test or been injured, either one. Um, and that's bad for him, obviously. Um, I don't think that he failed a drug test just because of my relationship with him, but... I, I, I mean, I think a lot of people have really, whispered. I don't really. No, I don't nobody really know. would be shocked about anybody in WWE feeling yeah, a drug. You know what I'm test. saying? So like that, but it could also just mean that they were trying to protect him from Brock Lesnar because they knew there was no credible way to try to make him look how he should look against Brock Lesnar. So they decide to pull him out of that match so that he doesn't have to go through that and can still continue with his feud with AJ Styles, and be hot. It's it's an interesting thought, and we've speculated before. They're going back to India before the end of the year, but as I've said, they don't need gender to be the champion when they go to India. Well, he, they he, need... could, he could win the title back at, in India. Yeah, they could do like, that. That's a possibility. Or, or he could just be a contender. He could just be competing against AJ Styles or whoever the champion is in India. They've solidified him as a top guy on the card and a guy in that picture, and so he can be a star in India while not necessarily being the champion. I mean, I... They want India. They can't have Jinder Mahal be the champion forever, right? Like it, it just can't work yeah, that way. Right. I, I, just, I mean, yeah. he's already he's already had a six month title reign as WWE champion. Right. They've there made him a, viable. There is a lot of people that cannot say that. Uh, I mean, the, the one thing that makes me wonder about what you said, AJ, you're absolutely right that you know it's probably good for for Jinder to be avoiding this match long term, but what you know what changed that this was all well, the facts you know okay. looking into the match a week ago okay what did changed suddenly realize this okay like, what changes one but weird. i think aaron it, i i wouldn't be so quick to say that i think it's a good thing necessarily for gender because i do think there's a statement about an unwillingness to give him a 50 50 against brock lesnar which we're okay, assuming that, that, yeah which we're that's assuming fair. is what they're going to be willing to do with aj styles and that to me smells more like, yeah, we don't think you're ever really going to be worth having giving a 50-50 to Brock Lesnar. Now, again, I'm we're speculating. But then what that's, changed in the past week? That's the weird thing about it. Nothing has changed in the past week. That on we that, know, you know of, right. It, that maybe, as far as, as, far maybe as their belief in, in Roman, Roman Reigns is supposed to be back by Survivor Series. He's supposed to be back he's next Monday. He's supposed to be back on Raw, yeah. yes. Maybe... 
they got some news that that won't happen. Uh, they're 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 I promoting mean, they're it pretty hard, him, yeah. For Raw. Like they're they're saying he's coming back on Raw. It then seems I like we're no, heading towards Shield versus have, New Day. Because because what I was saying was maybe they knew he wasn't going to be back, and so they wanted to put another mega match on like they did last uh, at TLC. Right. But that's the only other thing that I could think of. Look, I. I guess for now, I'm going to try to take a um, a guarded approach to this. I'm not going to overreact to anything other than perhaps they walked in last week and said, we really could use some subscriptions. Holy crap, how many subscriptions will we get or how many more people are going to be interested if we do AJ Styles versus Brock Lesnar? Per- perhaps and it's, it's, it's very possible Vince does that. Vince changes his mind on a fly. And we by the way, that. I think that's a great thing. I, I I like as I think we've all talked about the fact that when they when they have have to work on the fly, when they have to scramble, they are really good at scrambling in the WWE. It's it's when they have long term plans that they don't really flush out, right? Like that they don't really do a great job of getting from A to B because they have five weeks in the middle and it kind of all just sits there with no story being told. When they have to sc- told, when they have to scramble. Typically, they scramble pretty well, and they handle things pretty well. I don't think, as of right now, so I'm, you're saying WWE is like is like the Jeff Garcia of entertainment <laughs> yeah, companies. Right. Yes, run the no <laughs> so like when they're, yeah, when, right? they're, when they're when they're scrambling around and they're just making shit happen. They're really good, but when they got everything structured around them, right? They, can't they really just can't it. handle it. Yeah, exactly. they just can't exactly. handle. It. That's a pretty good analogy, dude. That's not bad. <laughs> Um. Yeah. And by the way, didn't Jeff Garcia date uh, uh, Candice Michelle? Do I remember that correctly? Maybe. That, I don't know. It was definitely one. It was it Candice? It was definitely one of the. It was WWE one of those. Uh, it was. Yeah. Carm- you know it was a car- you know No. 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 Jeff it was. Gar- it's this is completely random. But you know, it's a funny Jeff Garcia stat. Uh. Okay. Until, uh, until like Tom Brady and uh, Aaron Rodgers got into their like prime. Jeff Garcia was the only quarterback in NFL history that had a two-to-one interception to touchdown. That's amazing, ratio. isn't that amazing? Wow, my God, that is incredible. In NFL history, all the motherfuckers that ever threw the ball forward, Jeff Garcia was the only one on that list. Uh, Jeff Garcia dated. Who do you think it is? Married, married in two thousand seven. Um, Jacqueline. Not Jacqueline, but I like where your head's at. Big fan. Aaron? Oh man, um, it's I, I know it's not Candace. It's one of those like diva search ones though. May uh, Young, not May Young, but again, I love where your head's at. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Oh, what was her name? The 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 Playboy. Karma. It was the girl that was in Playboy. You got that right. Oh, uh, Car- Carmela was yeah, that. It's Carmela. Was- that's what I, I started saying it a second ago. It's Carmela, but it's Carmela de, de Caesar or whatever the hell her name was. Yes. Carmella was the correct answer. Well done. Well done. Yeah. Married uh, Jeff Garcia. Uh, and now ago. you know why I say we need to play Stomp the Nerds. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, because Aaron can come up with that crap. Um, anyway, yeah, look, I, I, have, I am not, I'm not terribly worried about gender right now. I'll reserve the right to you know, change my mind on that if at some point, you know, if, if, if it just dies. If we look back on this moment as the moment where they just completely abandon gender Mahal, then we'll talk about that then. As of right now, I think they're going to be uh, that he's going to be okay. I think the the thing that I keep coming back to is we're getting Brock Lesnar, AJ Styles out of this. Brock Lesnar, AJ Styles. Brock Lesnar, AJ Styles. And maybe the answer ultimately, because it's going to lead us into our number two, is that they didn't know John Cena was going to be available, 
And maybe that's the story of everything that's occurred over the last week, is that they found out John Cena was going to be available, and they had to figure out what they were going to do after they got that news. And that ultimately, no offense, if, if you got three guys and one of them's got to sit on the sideline between John Cena, AJ Styles, and Jinder Mahal, I think we all know which one should be sitting on the sideline. John yeah. Cena. Yeah, exactly. All right, um, so now that moves us into the next part of this, which is that we learn today about the final member because it's not going to be AJ Styles and it's not going to be Rusev. We now know who the final member of the Survivor Series team on SmackDown is, and it's the guy that's not really on SmackDown. Which This is, is ridiculous. It's this is so bizarre. Storyline ridiculous. Okay, it's John. Let's, let's put this aside. It's John Cena. Of course you get him on the card, and if you can get him into the main event... Even better, great, wonderful. From a storyline perspective, we've been hearing for weeks, Shane McMahon, you got to earn your spot. You got to be loyal to, to Team SmackDown. So I'm just going to hand it on Twitter to a guy who's a free agent. He's a free agent. He hasn't won anything. I mean, I, I right. Now, yeah. again, it is John, he's John Cena. Cena. Right. It's John Cena. <laughs> and but he's, he's John Cena. Like, and, and, and the thing is that, like, the reason why I, I don't really ever have a problem with like I get storyline and but I never have a problem with that because if they did this with when they when they did it with Kurt Angle I was cool with it because he's Kurt Angle when they did it with Shane McMahon I was like okay but he's Shane McMahon I get it you know what I'm saying there's some guys that. Eh, it just makes sense. Okay. John Cena's one of those guys. I, and I don't necessarily disagree with you. I do yeah, still... Yeah, John, John Cena being on the match makes perfect sense right. from... I, if, I, I like, if, if you're Shane McMahon... Shane McMahon's a heel right now. Yeah, I know, but I'm saying if you're Shane McMahon and you're trying to win, win the match... Yes, correct. John Cena being <laughs> on your team makes a lot of sense. I agree with all that. And and this is the problem, though. And now we'll get into the, the Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn thing, which is also an issue. But next week... Kevin Owens should still be harping on Shane McMahon about it, and Shane McMahon should come out and literally just say exactly what you said. They should address it that way. Shane McMahon should say, you know what? I'm very aware. I've said it's a land of opportunity, and you've got to earn your spot. But truth is, John Cena's earned his spot because he's won 16 world titles. End of story. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he should at least address it in some way um, and say to Kevin Owens, hey, look, if, if you want to win 16 world titles, then you could be on the team for free. You should at least say something and you not, have to address it. Right, you not just pretend like it doesn't it. exist. I agree with that. Um, I don't know how I feel about it. Like, this is going to be a, a really brutally impossible pay-per-view to pick. Like, it's, there is, there is well, no... Well, it's a series of exhibition matches. Correct. There is no way. We are, this will be our most difficult picks pay-per-view of all time. Um, and we should, if we're smart, we should make it our heart, the, like, the, like, hardest one. Like... What? Uh, bet wise, but like like you're suggesting well, that maybe do you want to do it that way because it's the most random one, so it doesn't. Really yeah, that's show. my point. That's my point. That it's the most. This is the most just, related to luck. So just yeah. just just who ends up being lucky and who doesn't. Um, I'm not opposed to that necessarily. Um, by the way, you better stop that truck from backing up into your house, AJ. Oh, sorry. Yeah, you better stop that right now. I can I can tell. Um, I, look, I I don't know. We'll deal with that when we deal with picks, but. I have no clue what this means, adding John Cena to this match. I don't have a clue what that means for anything. If that, I, I, I just couldn't possibly tell you how that impacts anybody involved in the match. I have no feel for it whatsoever. It, it just, it, it adds star power to it. Like, it, it balances out. We were talking about how, last week about how, you know, how are we supposed to believe that Team SmackDown can compete with Team Raw? Well, now we know. 
because John yeah. Cena is involved, and it's basically mirror images. It's like you have you have the two GMs, you have the two guys who are trying to get you know the small lower level guys trying to get the spotlight in Rude and Jason Jordan, and then you have three stars, including John Cena now. Correct. All of that is true. Um, again, I still don't know which that, and, and that's the problem. The problem is it makes it totally right. 50-50, which is what we keep talking about. We keep talking about how this is completely 50-50, and it's just more 50-50 right now with John Cena in the match, and so I have no feel for it at all. I have no feel for what they're going to do with him in storyline. Is he going to be on SmackDown? Is there something they're trying to get to after this? We had all kind of worked under the assumption that John Cena, Jinder Mahal was ultimately going to be the story, but... John Cena was supposed to be the savior. Yep. Well, AJ Styles has already saved us. So does that even make sense anymore? John? It's, it's really bizarre. It, like the, this is one of the, remember how last year I went when, um, randomly Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton dropped the tag titles and I was going on, you know, I feel like this is going to be important. We need to in, analyze the why. And it ended up being the fact that the entire WrestleMania plans changed that week. I feel like we might go back to this week. And uh, say there were dominoes yeah. that started to fall, like something. Yeah, yeah, like there, there was some creative meeting this week, and everything went down this week. And we're going to look back and be like, yeah, this was actually a really important week in WWE history. I, I, okay, perhaps, perhaps. Um, as as we'll lean into a couple other things that we want to get to in this first segment. Um, it, it also it comes off to me odd. It comes off as okay. What could we be getting that's bigger than what we've already gotten, though? You know what I mean? And like that's the so we'll lead in this into our next topic. Okay, so we already got Roman Reigns, John Cena. All right. Yep. Now it looks like we're getting the New Day versus the Shield. So I ask you, come WrestleMania, what what's left? Have? Yeah, what are we getting at that point? Because we're getting all the WrestleMania matches. Way before WrestleMania. So you explain well, it to me. We're getting Reigns Brock. I think we're getting Seth Dean. So the Shield's out of the picture. Um, you mean as far as like big first time yeah, or that's, know, legendary I mean, matches? Right. That's my thing. Like we've seen, okay, I get it. Reigns Brock is what we're getting, but we've seen it before. And I'm not. A AJ Nakamura? Uh, yeah, I mean, that would be a big one. Sure, that would be a big one. But the Cena, the Cena Hall thing that we all kind of assumed completely loses its luster. I mean, let's just call it what it is. If well, unless unless Jinder wins it back in India, th which I think is a okay. But at that point, he's only been champion for like two months. Do we really need to be saved from him? Like we've already been. I think the Cena Mahal thing was big. If Jinder Mahal had literally been champion for roughly a year at that point, yeah, and it had he's still saving through, America from the evil force. I think it loses like, a lot. I don't, do, dude. do I? Do I agree? I, I agree with you, but I think that they could view it as, oh, you know, that was just a little blip. He won the title back. He's still running roughshod over the entire country, and we need John Cena. To he save didn't us. even. He didn't even look bad against Brock Lesnar. I mean, I, I don't know, man. I think I think that one. If that's what you're doing. I think it took a serious hit. And I'm not saying that you yeah. had to keep Jinder Mahal champion the entire time. I agree. But I think that that one worked because you literally were going to have everyone on board with, oh, my God, I hate Jinder Mahal so much. I love you, John Cena. Please save us. We, I'm so sick of this. And I, and I think that it loses that. I think that even if this is a short run for AJ Styles and he gets it right back, one, he's proven that somebody can beat Jinder Mahal, somebody can beat the Singh brothers, you can do it, um, and and that takes something away from it. I, I just, I, I think that this week is an odd week in looking at what they're doing going towards WrestleMania because, again, 
Can we just change all of our picks for that bet? <laughs> oh, this is, yeah. is throwing a huge wrench into everything. The well, that's, past that week is and true. A half. That is true. We yeah. did just we did just pick it not that long ago. Um, I, look, I'm all for New Day, the Shield. Like, I mean, I, I I like living in that world, and I assume that we're gonna end up getting it. They have not made that official yet, but why the hell else are, do you? Yeah, right. what are you doing if you're not doing New Day Shield? No, no question. You absolutely have to do it now. Um, and and look, I I think it's a WrestleMania caliber. I think it could have been a main event at WrestleMania. And that's the only. That's the only kind of bummer about this is like if doing New Day Shield like that was bigger to me than the the Kurt Angle match at the last pay per view like this is almost an afterthought yeah. on the Survivor Series pay per view because of all the other things that you have and that's the only like dude we're getting the New Day versus the Shield holy shit why is this not the main event or having another com- a completely different pay per view that's and utterly then, built then, to it and then they say well the reason why is because you got Brock Lesnar versus AJ Styles and you're like well, right, how is, did that happen I mean correct <laughs> you, one or the other we don't need both even for I'm all like, for I, it. I do wonder what Survivor Series tickets were like ticket sales I wonder if that factored in where are they doing are they I doing, mean it makes sense it's in Houston thing, but it's that's, yeah that's what's crazy about like with their new, they have a new plan. Like how we, how we used to think about pay per views. Like yes, WrestleMania is supposed to be the biggest pay per view of the year, and it still is. But because they're selling these travel packages, like they need to make every single, they need to make all the big four Survivor Series. It has to be must see, and right. currently it is right. must see. <laughs> no, this yeah. week and it's become like, musty. I agree. Yeah, the travel packages have already been sold for Survivor Series. That's my question about it. Unless they're thinking kind of long term here, that okay, we're establishing this now. So people yeah, next that's what year, I'm saying. Yeah, I, it's it's possible. It's possible that like maybe because, this is that, because maybe last that's year, look, because last year Survivor Series they had did they have travel packages then? No, yeah, they did. The last, no, last no, no. This is the first year they've had travel. Are you sure about that? Series. I could have sworn they did it last 95% year. Ninety-five percent sure. Okay, I thought it was last year. Well, was the first I mean, year. even still, last year Brock Lesnar. Last Goldberg. year was the first four-hour one, and then the, the, that was kind of the start of okay, we're going to make this a big deal. We're going to start selling travel packages and stuff. I mean, look, I know that they want to make this a big pay-per-view. I completely understand that. But this was going to be a big pay-per-view with Brock Lesnar and AJ Styles without needing to have the New Day versus The Shield. And again, no problem. And this might be nothing more than, dude, this is a short-term thing with Roman Reigns. We're only going to have so many opportunities in order to do this. We've got to pull it off now. Go ahead and pull the trigger. The the Shield isn't around going forward. Correct. That might be all this is, is just saying, hey, we never did it before. It's something that we should have done. It's a great match. This is our chance to do it. This is the only way we can pull it off is to do it right now. Okay, understand. You know what I mean? Like that's, it's it's certainly viable. Like I've got. I, there's no world where I'm complaining about getting the new day versus the shield. Let me oh make yeah, the, we're still getting the Usos versus the Bar. Yeah, that's Not pretty good too. Man. Yeah, right. Like that's also pretty good. I'm all on board. It's just fascinating to me from where we are right now to where we're going to be come WrestleMania season. And again, maybe they've got some tricks up their sleeve that we can't possibly see coming, and that's for some of these Think changes. about this. Think about this. Think about this. On the same card that you have the Bar versus the Usos, who are absolutely going to try to steal the show. No question. By the way. Yep. <laughs> by the way, they are absolutely going to try to steal the show. And guess what? So is the Shield and the New Day. And guess what? So is AJ Styles and Brock Lesnar. And guess what? So is Alexa Bliss and Charlotte, if that's what we end up getting. Um. Well, we can't get Alexa Bliss, and can we? Yes, we I can. I guess we could, right? Because yes, Charlotte's facing Natalia next week. Oh, next yeah! Week. Holy crap! That's right. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Son of a bitch. You're right. I mean, there's no <laughs> doubt. Um, I again, think it would be dumb for them to put the title because I think they should put the title on their own Starcade, but that's a different. 
yeah, conversation I mean, I, I all together. You. I hear you. All right. Um, last thing before we move on to uh, segment number two. Um, some news that came out. We taped on Wednesday, and so there could be further developments to this story as the news came out right before we started taping. Um, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn have been sent home from the European tour. Uh, it is apparently for conduct detrimental to the WWE. We know very, very little about the reasoning for this and the details of it. Um, we've heard the phrase, they went into business for themselves, be thrown around. Um, I, I, we can't speculate because, again, we're going to end up looking stupid when everybody's listening to the show tomorrow and they're like, yeah, we already know the reasons at this point. So I don't want to speculate too much about this. I, I do. I did find it odd that still, as of this week, there appeared to be no purpose for Owens and Zayn. Like, I know they're getting... So is the were they going to get a tag title match next week? Was that the word on SmackDown? I, had, I, don't know. I, hadn't, I hadn't heard that word. I mean, I just assumed that they were going to end up, right, in, you know, impacting. saying we, we're going to be around and we're going to get involved in the main event. Yeah, that, I just assumed they were, like I said last week, I thought they were going to just cost SmackDown the, the match. I, I And we've talked about this openly. I, I hear you. I just sounds... It's weird that they weren't billed. I think they would have made it very clear this week that they were going to be on Survivor Series, and and we, the big question but, was how are they going it, to get But it almost involved? it's almost too obvious that they're going to do that. But here's right? the thing. Here's the thing, though, Aaron. Up to this week, they made it obvious that General Mahal was going to be on Survivor. Well, Series. yes, yes. Lots of things have changed <laughs> in the past forty-eight hours. Yeah. Is, uh, yeah. Look, I don't know. I, it, it doesn't appear to be. I don't know, and I don't know if they're unhappy about something with creative, and that's what led to this. Oh, there's so much stuff here, and again, I don't want to speculate too much about it because we'll end up looking like idiots talking about it for 15 yeah. minutes, and it, then everybody saying, "Right, we already know I'm, the answer." I'm just, I'm just going to throw well, a punch that, here and say sheer hunch. I hope that it's just not that big of a deal because they looked great on SmackDown. They always look great. They're Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. My my guess is simply no, they, but like they did something that me? crossed the line at a house show or something like that. Like they were cutting a promo on Shane and they said something that I crossed hear you, the but line. Think that about would it. be my guess. To send someone home from a European tour, I mean, to send two of your stars when you've had enough issues having to scramble in the last couple of weeks. Think about that. Everything they've had to do the last couple of weeks because of issues on tours. To send two of your stars home from a tour, oh man, I I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, just especially with Sammy, it's like, what could he have really done to go to cross the line? That's what I'm just I, trying again, to figure let's out. Not, let's not, let's not so. do this because yeah. we're going to end up looking dumb. All right, uh, yeah. we'll grab a break. When we come back in, we're going to take a listen to uh, our interview with Rory Karp, the director of the Ric Flair 30 for 30 Nature Boy, which aired this week on ESPN. Then we're going to talk about it and a pretty big match that was also announced this week that has nothing to do with the WWE. We'll talk about all those things next. I'm Glenn. He's Aaron, and he's... The main of... AJ Francis, this is Jobbing Out. Pressbox's Project Game Day is back at halftime of every game. Glenn Clark goes live on Pressbox's Facebook page to chat about how the Ravens have performed thus far. And after the game, Glenn is joined by the NFL chick Sarita Hubbard to break down all aspects of what went right or wrong for Baltimore. Watch live at Facebook.com slash Sports. Project Game Day is presented by ParXL and also brought to you by the U.S. Army. We'll see you for Project Game Day.
back in here on Jobbing Out. Joined now, as uh, most of you saw this week, the incredible 30 for 30 Nature Boy, all about the great Ric Flair. Our next guest was the director of that film. He is Rory Karp, and he joins us now. Rory, it's Glenn and Aaron. It's so good to talk to you, man. Thank you for taking some time for us, and congratulations on an excellent flick. Thanks. I appreciate it. Um, there is so much that I want to cover with you from the movie, and, and, and really the thing that jumps out at me most. In tackling Ric Flair, you have this celebrated, larger-than-life icon, but you also have a human being with real warts and real issues and may or may not even be a good person, right? Like, that's, <laughs> that's all of that is real. You had to cover all of that, and you did it, you know, like a, a lot of the celebratory stuff, and then some of the warts, you know, came in as the movie kept going. Can you take me through how you decided to go about handling all of that in the course of the film? Oh, man, you make it sound a lot more difficult. I don't know how I did it. I, don't, I, I just didn't think about it that much. Uh, I don't know. I just, um, man, I grew up a wrestling fan, and I just wanted to do wrestling justice at the same time. I try to make things that are genuine and real, and like you said, Rick is, I don't think he's black and white. I think he's shades of gray, and some of his story is heroic, and some of it's tragic, and I just tried to include a little bit of everything in there. Tried to make it for the 11-year-old version of me, but also, <laughs> but also the version of me now who has like severe ADHD, and so I won't change the channel. Were, were you ever worried that you were going too far one way or the other? Were you ever in the process of the movie like, oh my God, you know, like we're we're painting him as this, you know, he's, all the great stories, and you know, here's Ric Flair whipping his his you know his thing out on an airplane, and it's hilarious, and everybody's laughing, but maybe we're not were you ever worried that you weren't presenting one side of the story enough and you had to you had to go in a little bit more the other way never i don't i mean he did this stuff so he was <laughs> if he was okay doing it i'm going to be okay talking about it and you know there's no narrator so i'm just using trying to use people's words and how they view things and a couple of people have asked me like well how do you know rick flair's telling the truth i'm like i don't right. <laughs> i don't you know i don't this is his version of the truth. Wait, you mean to tell me you did not do the research to make sure that he has actually slept with 10,000 women? You did not interview 10,000 women that have slept with Ric Flair? I've been making phone calls for the last year and a half, <laughs> call, calling all these women, and I'm, I'm up to, like, number 1,371. And, and they've all said yes, right? I just got confirmation from 1979. She's been with Rick in a Ramada Inn. He actually, it's funny. Like, he actually texted me. I wish I have this. I got to see if I have this text where he was like, afterwards, after the interview, he goes, you know, I'm not sure it's 10,000. He's like, it's probably closer to like 8,000. Ah, I'm like, oh. Totally like, 8,000. I, I can't trust Ric Flair anymore. Clearly, it's <laughs> yeah. prowess is less than we thought. He's, he's like, there might be some repeat business in there, and I might have exaggerated. I'm like, oh, okay, only 8,000? I'm like, that's no big deal. I, don't, I wouldn't worry about it. <laughs> If it was so, seven, though, we, we might have to cut out the line yeah. altogether. <laughs> well, you know what? A lot of people that were with him through the years, I mean, they verify a lot of what he said. In all honesty, like, Greg Gagne was like, I think it's more than 10,000. He's like, you have no idea. Like, every single night, he was with multiple women. So, and uh, Gagne's pretty honest. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, think, uh, yeah. I don't yeah. think he has any reason to lie. 
you know, you, you had so many stories in there and it covered so much of his life, but I know that you must have had so much that you left on the cutting room floor. What was the best story that you had to leave out for time? I mean, in all honesty, as far as stories go, I tried to put it all in as much as possible. I mean, I'm trying to think. There's a couple of stories. I mean, like Baby Doll told a story about once Rick was already with a girl and this girl just like went up to him and flashed her boobs at the bar and he, and he just left the other girl. He's like, I got to go. <laughs> and, uh, and then he said, um, he told another story about um, like Miss America or not Miss America, one of someone from a Miss America pageant, maybe Miss Nebraska showed up at the TV taping. Uh, but I mean, they're all kind of like just similar kinds of stories. So, I mean, in all honesty, I try to, people think like great stuff gets cut out, but then I don't know if you've ever watched sometimes the director long cuts of things. And I'm like, uh, this isn't better. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a reason why stuff was cut out. I don't need to see a, three-hour version of the Justice League movie that's coming out. I'm good with, like, a 90-minute superhero movie. I, you know, it's funny you say that. When like I, when we sat down for Thor, I actually looked it up, and I was like, oh, thank God it's only two hours. Oh, thank God. <laughs> it, was really, it was really good, but I, I still think it could have yes. been, like, 20 minutes shorter. I don't disagree with that either. Probably, I don't yeah. disagree with that either. He's Roy Carve. He was director of the uh, Ric Flair 30 for 30 Nature Boy, which will be re-airing, obviously, throughout the course of the next couple of weeks on the various ESPN platforms. Um, uh, Rory, a couple of things that jumped out at me, uh, the, the, I know I hate going, keeping going back to the dark stuff. Um, one of the things that you, it was, you were throwing a curveball this year, obviously with Rick's health issues and health situation. Um, can you take me through how difficult the last few months have been? Obviously there's a far more human aspect to it, which is what Rick has gone through, but you've got this movie and the story and you don't know what's happening there. And, and did you guys think at all about, maybe we need to include this in the story that we're telling. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if he would have passed away or been like an invalid or something, I'm sure we would have included it. We wanted the film to be evergreen and that it could last. So I didn't want the film to end like November 2017. This is what he's doing. And then it seems dated a couple of months from now. But, you know, it was it was scary. I mean, more so like as a friend. And I was concerned for like his daughter and his fiance because it really looked like he was going to die. And he's lived really hard. I, I wasn't surprised that like his body shut down, um, but he pulled through. And I went and I visited him in the hospital only about four weeks or maybe five weeks after it all went down. He was in a coma for 10 days and he's been through a lot. So uh anyway i just i think that he he's got a new lease on life which is good and he he's sober for the first time which is good it's kind of not by choice and he he actually said that this film was a real motivation for him to wow. pull through and he was being serious like it's a really big deal for him to be the first wrestler to have a 30 for 30 that's cool I actually wanted to ask you about that. The be the first wrestling thirty for thirty. I know we've we've heard stories about wrestling getting pitched before for thirty. I think an Andre the Giant one was pitched at some point, but this is the first one to do it. So how how do you go about it? You know, going to ESPN where wrestling, you know, kind of they have a love hate relationship with wrestling there. Yeah, for sure. I think there's still probably some people that don't agree with it being covered, but 
I mean, I think that's the advantage of the fact that they've done 130 for 30s at this point. They're like running out of topics. <laughs> I think they've got one on badminton coming up. So, yeah, I mean, it's about time. I think they've done wrestling. and Yeah, for the longest time, they've been trying to get Andre the Giant. And for whatever reason, it was like a hard time. And I think a lot of it had to do that, you know, the guy's not alive. So WWE, like, kind of controls his legacy, but someone else owns hit the trademark and but with Rick, he he actually appeared in a film I directed called I Hate Christian Lake. Yeah. And he appeared in just one interview bite about being a good villain. And I thought it was, I wanted to include him just because I liked Rick Flair and thought it would be cool to have him in a movie that had a lot of pop culture in it. So ESPN saw that he got this big reaction on social media. And this guy who works there, John Dahl, is an executive. And he's like, what do you think about doing something on Rick Flair? And I was like, uh, yes. <laughs> so, and then it kind of came together really quickly after that. And, you know, John Dahl has really been a champion of the film. Sometimes you just need like one person kind of like in your corner. I think that's just true in life too, by the way. Sure. Somebody to kind of champion you. I, I just saw DDP at the Ric Flair premiere. And, you know, like he was telling me a story like he had gotten into wrestling like in his late 30s. And I guess, like, Randy Macho Man Savage was, like, a real champion for him and, like, really helped him mm -hmm. with his career. Yeah, that was, like, the one person that, like, helped push him through. So you can get, just get one person in your corner. So that guy, John, was a real champion of this film. Uh, Rory, the WWE likes to control the narrative when it comes to a lot of things. Um, as you did some interviews with Triple H and, and Stephanie McMahon, and obviously I thought the Triple H, you know, that that was one of the more powerful clips in the entire film um, was him talking about, you know, how they handled Rick. But was there a concern about that, knowing the history of that company and kind of wanting to control their narratives? Yeah, I mean, I had heard that too, but... Man, in all honesty, WWE was just like very cooperative to work with. I think a lot of it had to do with Triple H. He, from the beginning, you know, he wanted, he likes Rick, obviously, and wants Rick to be happy. And they have a great relationship with, uh, and also with his daughter, Ashley, who's one of the main superstars over there. So I kind of dealt mainly with Triple H. And he was actually the first person I screened the film for, even before Rick because his opinion really mattered to me. Um, not not just because he's like a WWE executive, but also he's Rick's friend. He's a fan of wrestling too. He grew up loving wrestling from that era and he's a wrestler. So, and I'll tell you, man, he was quiet when we were watching the movie. He didn't like say a word. And then it ended and like, he just wasn't saying anything. And I'm like, oh gosh. <laughs> and then he like stood up and I'm like, oh, no, he's going to, like, pedigree me through a table or something. <laughs> I, I didn't know what he was going to do. And, and he's a big dude, too. Um, but, yeah, he, like, extended his hand and said, great job. And then, like, we just sat down and, like, talked for, like, 90 minutes. And about, like, everything, not just about the movie, but just about wrestling and life. And he was just so cool, so nice. And he sent me a really nice text last week about the movie and he's kind of like, he's really helped the film from getting it inside WWE and helping push it through. So kudos to him. Oh, sorry, hang on one second. I apologize. I lost Aaron there. Go ahead, Aaron. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, for uh, 
at the end of the movie there, you do include some stuff outside of WWE. You include some of his TNA run after his, you know, the big WWE retirement. Was there any pushback from WWE on that at all? Uh, no. <laughs> nope, not really. I mean, they were they were pretty cool. That's a, they didn't really have anything. And they've been promoting it. And it just goes to show you sometimes, man. Like, I've had people that I worked with, like I would hear some things about, like they're not nice or whatever. And then it was like the exact opposite. Like I did a couple of things with Kevin Costner and someone's like, Oh yeah, man, he's really arrogant. And like, he was like, he invited me over his house like afterwards and <laughs> like made coffee and Danishes. And it was like nothing like I expected. Like I expected the undertaker to be unfriendly. He was like Ned Flanders from the Simpsons. I mean, he was like, the most friendly guy. It, actually, ever. I got to be honest with you, Rory. I hated that. Like, I really hated how like super sort of nice and southern and like very Texas the Undertaker sounded in those interviews. I was like, <laughs> I don't want to see that guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, what do you want us to do? Interview him in a graveyard? Oh no, no. <laughs> actually, <laughs> yes, yes. That's as wrestling fans. That's exactly what we want. No doubt. Hey, um, uh, Rory, before we let you go, now that I, I know that you're friends with Kevin Costner, can I request you do a 30 for 30 about the infamous story that, uh, that involving Kevin Costner and Cal Ripken? Can I, can I request you make a 30 for 30 about that next? Um, you, can, you can make that request for me. Please. I'll, uh, please. I'll pass him. Ah, that'd, be, that'd be wonderful. At uh, uh, Rory Karp on Twitter is how you follow him. It's Rory, K-A-R-P-F. You can find out more at RoryKarp.com. Uh, dude, the, the flick is incredible. Uh, congratulations, man. It's an awesome, awesome film. Really nice job. Thank you so much for taking some time to chat with us about it. Hey, I'm glad you guys like it, and I appreciate the support. Great stuff. Appreciate uh, Rory Karp joining us here on Jobbing Out. Uh, I, I really enjoyed the flick. I guess now let's talk about it uh, as we welcome AJ back in. Um, I loved it. We got the chance to watch it a little bit early, and so I did not know when we interviewed Rory that they were including a, a snippet. Um, if you guys watched it on Tuesday night, I asked why they didn't really address uh, Ric Flair's health issue, but they actually went back in on Tuesday night and added something during a commercial break um, where where it was discussed and they covered it that way. So when we had watched the 30 for 30, it didn't include that, which is why I asked that question. Um, I... I loved it. I thought it was great, and I thought it was a very difficult topic to to dive into. And honestly, the one thing that I've had I have seen some people say that I don't necessarily disagree with is Ric Flair was probably worthy of a longer thirty for thirty than ninety yeah. minutes. Yeah. Um. And and that in some issues you maybe didn't really get as much as you wanted to get. But if the parameters were we've got ninety minutes to make a film about Ric Flair. I think they did that Roy Carp did exactly a really good that. job of yeah. making a 90 minute Ric Flair movie. I, I agree 100% with that. I've had some back and forth with people on Twitter. I think that, you know, it's a tough situation because you are making a documentary about a wrestler for a non wrestling outlet that you want to cover so many different things, both in ring and out of ring that he was put in a, just a really difficult situation. And I do think some things kind of got left behind. He didn't get, and you know, I would have loved to see more, on some of these things, some things got shortchanged, but f under the parameters, yeah, I agree with you. He did about as good as he could have possibly done. I think context is also tough in tackling a Ric Flair topic because I think there's a fine line, and I could sense a little bit when when Rory was talking about Rick being his friend. Um, I think that they wanted to protect him a little bit, and that's you know understandable, right? He's Ric Flair, he's an American icon. And in a way, 
I think that we wanted Ric Flair to be protected a little bit. I don't think that anybody wants Ric Flair to be viewed as, you know, uh, uh, boy, I don't want to make a Harvey Weinstein comparison, but I think you guys know what I'm saying. Like, that when you, when you visit some of these stories involving Ric Flair in the 1980s, that seemed one way. In the 2017, it seems another way. And so I do think it was a a fine line when you're making a film about Ric Flair, this over-the-top beloved figure, how much of his womanizing, how much of his, you know, those things do you really cover when you consider that in 2017 a movie about some of that stuff probably gets viewed a certain way that it wouldn't have been in the 1980s. Yeah, but... It's not. I don't think that they didn't address that. I mean, I, that's why. That's why said, I think. Right. I think. I think they get, yeah, give him credit for that. I do think that they covered it without making it. Un- I, I think that if you had gone more demonizing down demonizing him, I think if you had gone more down that road, it would have been. It could have led to, to problematic. Right. Even. The, I mean, the man. The man said he was faithful to his wife for a day. Right. Right. Yeah. And uh, as Rory told us, he, he said a day. As As Rory said, told us, he did wow. back off that ten thousand number and said he thinks it's actually only seven thousand. So, I mean. <laughs> liar that dirty liar Ric Flair <laughs> um but look I, I I enjoyed it I enjoyed it I honest to God I was emotional by the end of it I was emotional when they dealt with the stuff with his son and when they dealt with the stuff with his family I was emotional when I saw him I've already and that shows you how good the movie was because they built to it when I saw him crying behind Charlotte while she had won the belt when that was something that almost made me cry the, the first time I saw it right and the I saw it then after the way the movie had built to that point and I was like yo I was like really hitting the feels and I had to chill for a little bit yeah no, oh. I, I think the biggest problem to wrestling fans is that it didn't really present anything we didn't already know but it was presented in such a good way I, that I, I talked I, about I, this it's hard to criticize it too I, much I talked about this with our buddy uh, Kevin Eck um, where I said we got to keep in mind this wasn't a movie that was made for us either right exactly um, this was a movie that was made for an average sports fan that would have been watching ESPN and so if you were looking for nerdy wrestling things like if you were looking to find some you know story about some match I, I don't know why you think you would have gotten that from this like I don't think in any way was it ever built as a wrestling movie. I think it was a, a documentary that was built about a larger-than-life personality that, frankly, I think dove into wrestling more even than I expected. This is I, I thought they were going to go more. How about more. the Disco Inferno shot in there randomly? <laughs> yeah, that was super <laughs> random. You're right about that. Um, but there was stuff. I didn't know about all the background stuff with him at Minnesota and the Ganyas. I didn't know that. You know what I mean? Like, I... I learned. I definitely learned things that I didn't know about, um, even from a wrestling standpoint. I, dude, I really enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah, I didn't even know. I didn't know he was. I thought he was from North Carolina this whole damn time. Right, right. Yeah, that's a great <laughs> point. I absolutely. I, I'm with you on that. I totally did not know. So, yeah, I loved it. I loved it. I was all in. I thought Rory Carp did a really good job and um, really appreciated the conversation with him as well. Um, one other story that deserves to not just be thrown away in segment number three from this Yeah, th- this is the craziest week in wrestling history. Maybe. I mean, maybe. It's it's definitely been a crazy week. Uh, we get in a match on uh, New Year's Eve that Aaron has been scrambling all week to try to figure out if he can afford the flight to Japan. Not New Year's Eve. Not New oh, Year's it's Eve. Not, what day is it? January 4th. January wrestle 4th. Wrestle Kingdom is always January 4th. Okay, my fault. My fault. January 4th. I don't know why. I got a text from somebody asking me if I was looking at prices. I think Brian Powell. Oh, well, I was, I was going to say, like, 
I'm not going to do it this year, but it, it's on my to-do list. I'm, I'm sending New Year's out in Japan some year. There's and, worse uh, going to the January. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't yeah. sound like it sucks. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm doing that. Like, it, it's on my list in the next few years to get out to New Year's and then uh, Wrestle Kingdom. So, of course, you know, we're getting at Wrestle Kingdom. Kenny Omega versus one Chris Jericho, which is... What the- Fuck. Fucking <laughs> unbelievable. Like, it's just unbelievable that this is a thing that's occurring. Um, I- let's, let's, let's go back to before they made this announcement, because we didn't really cover this on the show, the fact that Kenny and Jericho had been going back and forth on Twitter. And everyone kind of assumed, once we realized, and most people realized this very quickly, that this wasn't a shoot, this was a work, they were building towards something. Everyone just assumed, oh, yeah, yeah, Jericho has this cruise. The Young Bucks are involved. They've already announced Marty Skrull for it. Kenny Omega is clearly going to be involved. There's your main event, Jericho versus Kenny Omega. Which, by the the way, would make you want to get on a cruise. Let's let's start with that. That sells a cruise to me. Yeah. Um, This is even. As a person that goes on cruises, I'm definitely going on that. Yeah, right? No doubt, man. Uh, This is even bigger than that. Um, Uh, it's, It's unbelievable. It's, I mean, it's unbelievable that A, it was kept a surprise. Nobody knew, saw this coming. Like, even the, the, the dirt sheet people didn't see this coming. Um, and, which is incredible. I mean, that is incredible, right? Like, that's, that's, that's really remarkable. I, it also, boy, I, like, I think there's a few things here. Because I think this goes back to the question of whether or not these... The, so this group of guys that we're talking about, the Kenny Omegas of the world, the Young Bucks, the Bullet Club that group of guys, whether or not we ever see anyone from that group end up in WWE, when you can do this, fuck it. Like, fuck it. Why do you yeah. care if you're going to WWE ever? If you can yeah, do this. you know, because guess what? Brock Lesnar not going to be with WWE forever. His ass is going to be wrestling in Tokyo sooner or later. Yeah, or he at least do I something mean, he like already, this. He already took his tour in Tokyo, so he wouldn't necessarily what, have to. But no, yeah, but, he but could he, definitely he, go back. Why wouldn't he do that? If like, there's a, yeah. if, if there's enough money out there to say, <laughs> hey, th- you come do Wrestle Kingdom next year, shit, right? Like, yeah. okay. Oh, you you could show up, probably make a couple hundred grand for showing um, up one time. I don't think this is the answer. Oh, AJ's and, getting uh, lost trying to go to Boys to Men right now. By the way, yeah, <laughs> yeah right. We actually get to listen live as he can't find his way I, in. But um, I, I think there, there are two things that are really interesting about this. One, this is the first time. Like, Jericho has gone away from WWE okay. before. He's done plenty of... <laughs> Go ahead. Just keep, just keep going. He's, he's Pretend done, like it's he's not done plenty of. He's done plenty of... You know, had opportunities to go to TNA. He's had opportunities to wrestle elsewhere. Oh, no, no, no. always <laughs> turned that down. Uh, you know, this is the thing that gets him to say, yeah... I'm going to spurn WWE because you know WWE can't be thrilled about this. I'm, I mean, so, I mean, I don't uh, think I don't think this is like I'm true. never going to use you again, right? Uh, but it is something that did I'm you sure guys know I speak you... Spanish? Did you guys know that? I did not know that, by the way. But I am interested in learning where not, it is. I am not. I'm not that good at it, but I'm good enough that I can get myself around. Yeah, I was going to say when you need to talk yeah. to somebody. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Anyways, but yeah. this is something I'm sure WWE's not thrilled about to see Chris Jericho headlining a company who's okay, openly in, said, yeah, unless, we're taking, right. to take it. Unless there's WWE. something we don't know, right? Which is this is a, a trade-off for him doing something for oh, them yeah. at some point. A, a home and home with WrestleMania? Yeah, something like that, right? Unless How awesome would that be? I mean, there's no way it's going to happen. Well, it's not going to be Kenny but Omega. I, I mean, that's really? not... Really? Are you sure there's no that's way? The thing, that's was, the thing. I say there's no way. <laughs> a, week but... ago, a week ago, 
none of literally everything we've discussed today could never happen a week ago. Fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. I mean, you're not. <laughs> this is the you ain't wrong. World. Right. This is the real world where, you know what? I'm pretty sure it's not going to happen, but I'm not betting my life that this isn't the start of a I home mean, that and would home. Be a pr- that would be a pretty big thing when, when we're talking about matches that we're not getting at WrestleMania, right? Like, yeah, you're not getting the New Day versus the Shield, but what if I told you you were getting Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega? Like, what if that was the case? Um, yeah, I, I, it's, that is interesting, and I don't know. Again, it's possible the WWE is pissed. It's possible the WWE is working on something that, even if it's not a, a home and home, it's okay. You go do this thing, but we're yeah. getting you for something else. Well, you know, well, we're. Uh, I just want to listen to it right a now. La luz. Yeah, I'm nice with this shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the other thing is, is what. Besides the fact that this is, you know, a literal dream match, what was it that, besides the fact that, yes, Omega versus Jericho is a dream match, Jericho has had the opportunity to have dream matches elsewhere. What was it that finally said, yeah, this is the place to do it. This is the well, place okay, to finally I don't, go it, outside of WWE. Does it have to be anything other than it's a dream match? Does it have to be anything other than, you know, it like... It doesn't have to be, but we've, you know, like... He's been offered by TNA no, to no come offense in to wrestle TNA. AJ no, no offense to TNA. And I no offense to AJ Styles. Who I, both, you think there's any world in which that's as much money as this is? I don't know what the money is. That's the thing. That's the other thing. Uh, so I'm, I'm sure say, I can think, throwing I can around money. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to bet that for a one-off appearance, that's all he's doing is making one trip to Japan. Um, Well, that's what we think, at least. Right, correct. That's what we think. But my gut is this is more lucrative than working for TNA at any point ever would have been. And by the way, he did some stuff with TNA. He did, like, took the band down to TNA, and he did some stuff with Fozzie and TNA. But I guarantee that they never had the money. Like, they might have offered him a, a, a significant amount of money to work for a year, like, hey, we'll give you a contract for a year to come work for us when they were trying at their height, when they were working with Christian and Kurt Angle and all of them to try to make something work. Um, but I don't think there's any chance that TNA ever had real money to throw around for a one-time appearance from Chris Jericho. This comes off as a one-time appearance from Chris Jericho for one dream match for a major event, and my gut is it's it's fairly lucrative for him. My gut it is, is a fat check, right? And and which which begs the question: if if you know if New Japan is opening it up these pay these uh the payrolls, are they making a serious like are we do we need to start talking? You know, we've been talking about it for nearly two years now that it's the possibility. Is is this one of the kind of signs that? Yeah, New Japan's getting serious. They're going for a global audience. Here. Possible. I mean, it's certainly possible. I don't think there's any doubt of that. Um, but again, I think we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. I think right now it could be nothing more than we want this event to be massive for a massive audience, and this is an opportunity that we have to do it. I, again, does this mean that that they're trying to create something where they can get a, a TV show that airs in the U.S.? I, I don't know. I'm not ready to go any anywhere. I mean, they, they also on on the same day they announced that uh, they're returning to Long Beach in March. Okay. I mean, again, I, I'm not. Yeah. I mean, again, I'm not. I'm just saying, there's a lot of things here that are really that are interesting more than just oh my god, it's Omega Jericho, which is interesting enough. I don't, disagree. On I don't so. disagree that it's interesting. I don't disagree that it's interesting. I don't think I'm ready to say anything other than this is a one-time thing, and it's so effing cool and. You know, it somehow it became clear that it was possible, and so they pulled the trigger to make it happen. You know what I mean? Like I'm, yeah. You know, that's. Did, did you, by the way, did you also see Cody's match that they announced on that night? That kind of got buried in the undercard. No, I didn't even see it, honestly. 
Uh, Cody's defending the ROH title against one Kota Abushi. That's not. That does not oh, suck. Wow. That does not suck at all, man. I mean, that's <laughs> oh, that's wow. that's worthy of of being a holy shit moment. Um, yeah, I don't know what else to say. That's fucking great. <laughs> you know, right? Like, hey, uh, you know what else? Something that was a holy shit moment that we haven't even talked about, and I'm actually ashamed of myself, and I'm more ashamed of you guys because of it. Uh huh. Is the fact that we didn't even def- discuss the fact that Pete Dunn was on Monday Night Raw. You know, we didn't discuss that, and that was cool. And I, I don't, <laughs> I, I, I mean, obviously the circumstances. And he looked amazing. Yeah, he did look and amazing. Enzo worked a good match with him. It was a good match. I didn't get to see Two Hundred Five Live. What do they do on Two Hundred Five Live? I haven't seen it yet. Either, yeah, I, I know. I know they. Uh, I I didn't actually watch it. I saw some things pop up on Twitter. They they had a bunch of them wrestle. They he had like a. I had like tag matches with uh, a, a 205 guy teamed with a UK guy against you know the heel the heel version of that okay. basically. Okay, all right. I'm, so I'm... they 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 mixed them in. Look, um, I'm all for more of those guys because those guys are great. Um, as I said back in January, the WWE f this up royally. No pun intended. They royally fucked this. This was, you know, this is absolutely a shoot first, aim later situation, and here we are. What are we? Nine months, ten months down the road, and they still haven't aimed. Um, I, I hope that they figure but here's this. Here's the thing, though. Maybe this, maybe this was their aim. Maybe what they, obviously not initially, but what they've come to realize what they could do is that you have the WWE quote unquote roster in England, and you bring them over every time that you, uh, right? But you, uh, you want them over here, but you're always going to go over there. So you're always going to be able to use them over there. And immediately when the crowd, even if no, even if there are people there that didn't know who Pete Dunne was, which I think that that part of the crowd was minimal. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, even those people, when they saw him walk out, he was the WWE UK champion. They're like, oh, this guy's. Well, I hear you, but that wouldn't be the case if they did that in Wichita. You know what I mean? You're like, right. Like which would... is why I'm saying that's why that's the point I'm making is that that's why they have them over here when they need them. But they provide "quote unquote" star power over there as okay. well. Okay, but it's still a title that's rarely defended. It's rarely we don't really know what's going on with that. They are not able to build other, you know. Um, I still think I still think they're trying to make the show work over oh, there. Oh, I think that's what they're trying to do. But it's just yes. it's it's been royally yes, they F haven't figured it out that yes, they had this massive moment and had nothing that came out of it. I for the situation that they're in, sure, AJ, I have no problem with what they're doing and. It was a cool moment, and obviously it was a big deal on uh, Monday night, the same way that it used to be a huge deal when William Regal would come out of the Raw when they were over in London or Manchester or wherever they are. Um, It's just the the UK thing frustrates me to no end. It frustrates me to no end that they had this thing that was cool, and they just decided to pull the trigger on it without any sort of plan, without any sort of, of, of vision for what they were going to do with it because it should have been bigger than that. This should have been a really cool thing throughout the course of the year. And as I said all along, I've suggested that maybe the cruiserweights should be hanging out with uh, the 205 Live guys. Maybe it should be that the cruiserweights and the UK you know, folks are all on the same bill, and they're out touring together, and they're doing shows together and things along those lines. But they should be doing something. What, 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 what they're doing is not – it's just not worked. It's, it's not – there's no new contenders for the UK you know, uh, belt. Nobody knows who's a part of that division. Well, Gargano is getting a title shot during the uh, NXT stretch in Texas leading up to Survivor Series apparently. Gargano is getting a UK title shot? Yep. Why does that make sense? I don't know. 
Well, okay, but that's the, the thing, thing they're doing. It's the thing that's happening. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, whatever. I'm for Johnny Gargano, so, uh, you know, uh, cool, I guess. I, I don't know, man. It's just, it's infuriating. Yeah. It's Johnny infuriating. Gargano versus UK champion Pete Dunne on Saturday. Hey, Johnny Gargano oh, versus Pete Dunne, I'm all on. I'm all on board, it's, right? It's, it's, it's the dark match for TakeOver. It's the dark match for, you mean that means that Johnny Gargano is not going to be on TakeOver? Well, we already knew that. I mean, well, I guess we didn't know we that. We didn't for know sure, that. But he hasn't for sure, been billed yeah. for a match yet. Do we have five matches, though, for TakeOver already? Uh, good question. I, I mean, we, yeah. we have what nine, nine people in the main event. We have the four women we have, I don't know. I, I, I legitimately don't know. We have no tag titles, obviously. Hasn't. Yeah. Right. All right. Uh, anyway, very good. Let's grab a break. When we come back in the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase will join us. Excited about that. It's, uh, I'm Glenn. He's Aaron and he's the main event. AJ Francis. This is jobbing out. They say you're only as strong as the company you keep. The U.S. Army keeps you in strong company. If you want to stand out, the Army can give you the training you need. To take advantage of the strong options waiting for you, visit GoArmy.com. You may qualify for up to a $40,000 signing bonus. Start your future today at www.GoArmy.com football. They're strong, then there's Army strong. Paid for by the United States Army. <laughs> Back in here for segment number three of Jobbing Out. Glenn Clark, Aaron Ostern, of course. The main event. AJ Francis. Um, we did this a little bit earlier in the week. AJ, unfortunately, was busy, I don't know, pleasuring himself or something. I'm not, I'm not really <laughs> sure what it was. Uh, although we know that Ted DiBiase wasn't doing that, as we'll learn during the course of the interview. <laughs> um, again, we're talking, about, uh, uh, we're talking with Ted DiBiase, the million-dollar man, a Hall of Famer. I mean, he's an icon. That's who we're talking to. Um, but a couple things. Obviously, we're referring to a movie that, that was in theaters on Tuesday night. So if you missed it, you missed it. Don't know when to tell you. You might be able to see it again. Hopefully, it'll be I'm on. I'm sure you'll be able to. Yeah, to it'll be on demand or something. I don't know, at some point in the future. Um, but we had a lot to cover with Ted DiBiase. Let's take a listen to that right now here on Jobbing Out. WWE Hall of Famer Ted DiBiase, the million-dollar man. Everybody's got a price, and that price right now is uh, free for us because we get to talk to him. He's Ted DiBiase, and he joins us now on Jobbing Out. Ted, thank you so much for taking the time for us this week. Gosh, thanks for having me on, guys. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Um, for people that are unfamiliar with your story and why this is so captivating enough to be on the big screen, can you give us the thumbnail of, of, of what you've been through from your time as one of the most well-known, iconic performers on the face of the planet to today? Well, it's, um, it's a, the, the, the story, the documentary, it's, it is my story. It's my story, and uh, the, the, really the twist on it that um, is unique is that it's actually narrated or told through the eyes of one of my sons, Ted Jr. Uh, of course, uh, my son Brett is in, the, in it as well. I have another son who is missing uh, because he's in he's in Texas and um, couldn't be a part of it. But um, um, you know the price of fame. Um, fame is not what most people think it is. I, I you know I'm a, I'm a person of faith. I'm a minister today. Um, I've been doing this for over 17 years. Uh, but even if you're not a person of faith, what I hope that people would come away from this. Uh, story is is understanding that uh, all the things that we seemingly chase after that we think will give us peace and happiness uh, really don't. Um, 
because I can say to them, I've been there and done that. I've been at the top of that hill, and it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Uh, you see somebody, you know, like me, or you, you watch football. It's Sunday afternoon. I'm watching some football, and gosh, you know, you look at those guys in the field, and all the, all those people in the stands know who you are. They're screaming your name. Uh, well, for me, that, that was great too. It is a thrill. But when you when the game is over, when the when the match is over, and you go back to the hotel, and uh, you know, you go back to an empty hotel room with four walls and a TV, and your your family's not there. They're hundreds of miles away or thousands of miles away and then you've got to get up and do that again the next day and in my case some 300 days a year that could become a very lonely place so you saunter down to the bar and you have a drink one turns into two and down that slippery slope you go and uh, before you know it uh, your your life is in a whirlwind and uh, you're filling a void um and that's that's what happened to me. Uh, but but more than that, it's also the story of hope. Um, I came from a little town. My you know my dad uh, was uh, probably one of the most important people in my life when I was young, because primarily I was he was a stepfather. When I was uh, two, my biological parents divorced, and my mother remarried when I was five, and she married Mike DiBiase, who was a professional wrestler. But Mike was not just a pro wrestler; he was also um, a guy with a storied career out of the University of Nebraska, three years in the row, conference heavyweight champion, lettered eight times, four years in football, four in wrestling, um, you know, uh, standout athlete in high school uh, in Omaha, Nebraska. And I didn't ever find out any of those things about my father from him. I always, people, other people talk to me about it. But what my dad did tell me was, he said, son, it's easy to do what everybody else is doing. There's, it takes no courage to follow the crowd. He said, I would rather see you be the head, not the tail, be a leader, not a follower. He says, but that takes some courage. If you're willing to work hard and uh, pay the price, you can be anything you want to be. And I held on to that. Well, I lost him when, when when I was 15. He suffered a heart attack and died. We moved back to this little town in southern Arizona, a little place called Wilcox, three traffic lights. It might have four today. I'm not sure. But <laughs> it hasn't changed much. And I'm in this little bitty town looking around going, can my dreams come true? Then I watch my I watch my mother sink into despair and alcoholism. And uh, that was a tough spot. But because of the values that had been instilled in me by my dad, I, I stuck to my guns. I remembered what he said. And as a result, I was the first kid to graduate from this little school in southern Arizona with a full scholarship to play uh, college football. I, I bypassed the University of Arizona to go to a smaller school called West Texas State, uh, who is now famous for graduating a whole bunch of professional wrestlers, <laughs> largely due to the influence of a very famous wrestling family, the Funk family. Mm. Mm. And so I go to I, I go to college, I play football, and then I go to wrestling, and I do the same thing. And uh, but you know when 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 the WWF exploded in wrestling went mainstream and uh you know you know back when i was growing up in it uh and i was at first in it and you know wrestling was like more of like a blue collar crowd form of entertainment you know uh you weren't going to see a lot of khaki pants and polo shirts <laughs> at the wrestling matches but uh vince mcmahon made pro wrestling mainstream he made it family entertainment he uh he made the characters over the top. He introduced uh, colorful costumes and entrance music, and it was a stroke of genius. 
But when wrestling takes off like that, and I'm in the middle of it, and all of a sudden I'm I'm at the top of my game, and I'm you know I'm not just traveling to all these places I used to wrestle by car. I'm in Lear Jets limousines, and I'm seeing my likeness made into action figures and put on video games, and it's like it was just so surreal. But still, with all of that, with all of the success, um, I wasn't I wasn't grounded. I mean, I, there was no no uh, question of my love for my wife and my children. But it was filling this void created by being on the road the way I was. And uh, I'm not making excuses because there aren't any excuses. We have to we have to place the safeguards in our life. But I want to tell the story because I want young people to understand that you can overcome adversity. You can come from from a slim a slim beginning. You can come from a very poor background or poor setting. And if you're willing to work hard, you can do what I did. And even if even if in that success you fall and you blow it some way, get back up and keep going because you can if you will. And uh and that's that's what I want most for people to see uh uh, this is a story of the restoration of my personal restoration, the, the restoration of my marriage, the, uh, the restoration of my faith, and uh, the relationship between me and, and, and my sons, which is which is stellar today. Um, the amazing thing about the the story is that when my son decided that it would be a great idea to you know put this twist on it, because he knew I spoke to a lot of men about the importance of of fathers and that every child needs the affirmation of their dad, and we have 35% fatherlessness in America. He said, let's put this twist on it. Well, up until that time, my my boys had they had heard the story. They had heard me tell the story in church. Uh, but they had never asked me any questions, and I always said, if, if they have any more questions, they'll ask me. And those questions didn't come until the documentary. Wow. When they when they now are married and have wives that they love and have children, my grandchildren, whom they love, and it's then it's it's dad. How could you have done this to mom? And that's that's the that's the story, uh, and it's it is compelling and it's pretty raw. I mean, it's you know I have laid my life out there for the for the world to see, but uh, I think with good purpose. So, so people can't see that there, there is hope because today, today, uh, my wife and I are still together. We're actually happier and closer uh, in every imaginable way. Uh, I can tell you with all honesty, my wife is absolutely my very best friend, uh, and you know we we overcame this, and um, it wasn't easy. I mean, uh, there's a there's a scene in the in the in the movie where my son says to his mother mom you know you're you're really the hero here and she stopped him and she said i'm not a hero she said this was just as difficult for me as it was for your dad uh you know i had difficult decisions to make too i mean i've heard her say i could have easily run to the world or or run to people who would tell me what i what I wanted to hear, which at the time was divorce the bum, take everything he's got. <laughs> uh, but but instead, she chose to run to those people who were her her friends in in, in her faith, uh, godly people who said, you know what, Melanie, uh, you know we we we've been we have been forgiven by Christ, and we are called upon to forgive as we've been forgiven. Now that doesn't mean you have to stay 
but we're called upon to forgive. And uh, anyway, I don't want to I don't want to give away too much of the story. It's very uh, compelling. It, yeah, it, it, it is. And uh, I mean, it's my story. And the first time that I saw it, and then. All of the interviews in there with the, my, my contemporaries. I mean, a couple of those guys are gone now. Roddy Piper, God bless him, is gone. George Animal Steel is gone. Terry Funk, uh, Harley Race. Uh, there's so many of my friends in there that spoke. And, uh, I mean, uh, it's my story. It's a story I've told countless times in churches and different settings. And, and, and I wept watching my own story. Wow. Wow. You know, uh Ted Jr. is is one of the ones who narrated, and of course he was a former WWE superstar as well, walked some of the same hallways you did. Uh, what were some of the shared experiences? What did you tell him when he was getting into it to avoid some of the, the price of fame that, that you experienced? Um, well, number one, I, I didn't want him in it. Uh, you know, that's, that's, the, that's a really funny thing is... Um, and when he, you know, he graduates from college with a degree in, in business administration that tells me he wants to be a wrestler, and I almost had a cow. And and I said, why is this the first time hearing of this? I said, he said, you know why. He said, because all my life I've been told I wouldn't be a wrestler. And, um, but he said, Dad, you've always been my hero. I've always wanted to be just like you. And I said, you, you, you heard my story. And uh, so... Uh, what I understood when I listened to my son there was that no matter what he heard, that this this was a journey he was going to have to take himself to understand it. Now, I give the WWE a lot of credit. I mean, uh, a lot of the safeguards they now have in place weren't in place, or they were beginning to be in place when I was there, but when I was there, they weren't initially. Uh, WWE has this you know, state-of-the-art drug testing policy. I mean, my son said, gosh, Dad, he said, if I go to the doctor and get uh, an antibiotic for something, I've got to call them and tell them what it is and why I'm taking it, because if it shows up in my blood on a, on a test, then I'm then I'm docked for 30 days. So they're, they're pretty stringent now. And, uh, you know, we were going three weeks at a time, 21 days on and maybe and then a week off. And then now they're four days on and three days off weekly. And so things are better. But even with things better, if you're a star in that business, in anything, I mean, it's like, you know, uh, I don't know The Rock really, really well. Uh, I, you know, I met him, my son, first time I ever saw him, he was a little kid. Uh, but I know he's one of the hardest working guys in Hollywood. But, I mean, if you if you look at the time that he spends, I mean, the, the long hours that they that they have to put in, it's 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 all-consuming. And I told my son, I said, you know, uh, you're going to find out that 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 life, that business, is going to be your wife, and and really that's what he found out. I mean, he, he you know he his when his contract came up, he had been there five years. His contract came up, and he said, "Dad," he says, uh, "I'm not going to resign." And I said, "Why?" He said, "Well, you were right." He mm-hmm. said, "It's you know as as good as it is, and as grateful as I am for uh, what they've done with me." He said, it's not fair. It's not fair to my wife, and it's not fair to my son. And so he, he stepped out. And uh, I couldn't be prouder for him. It's uh, it's, and it's, you know, And that's no, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm so grateful for the WWE. I uh, have a, a great working relationship with them. It's the nature of the beast. And, again, if you, you know, it, what I, if I would be talking to a young guy that wants to be a wrestler now, I'd say, okay, great, 
go for it. I said, but you know what? Why don't you stay single while you're doing it? <laughs> because it's going to be all-consuming. He is Ted DiBiase. Tuesday night, again, The Price of Fame in theaters nationwide. You can find out more by going to thepriceoffame.com. He joins us here on Jobbing Out. Ted, you mentioned that relationship with WWE, and you've obviously been back for various things, the old school events and the Hall of Fame a few years back, and you know we've, we've seen you a bit here and there. How tricky is it for you? And, and, and you mentioned earlier you are a minister and you're out doing those things. How tough is it for you to to walk the fine line of, you know, this is who I am, this is what I've done, um, but, you know, there are some associations that come along with being surrounded by professional wrestling and, and things that people think of the things that WWE has done. Like, what? how tricky is that for you as you walk that kind of fine line? Well, you know, I I haven't really found it that that difficult because I'm just I'm, – I'm an open book, uh, you know. I'm I'm very real and raw with what I what I feel and what I believe, and uh, um, uh, you know, I don't uh, I don't cross any you know I don't cross any barriers. I mean, I don't have any I don't have any trouble going back to the WWE uh, if they want to, for example, have me come back and make a cameo appearance. I made an appearance actually for them. Uh, they've got a new video game coming out, and uh, they they needed somebody to make a surprise appearance for the video game. Uh, I said, "Why 2K?" Yeah, uh, uh, WWE 2K. Yeah, right. I know. Yeah, and anyway, so I I, I made this appearance for them. I, I was going to New York to to do uh, the you know the satellite media tour for for the the documentary and. You know, I'm 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 in New York Thursday evening anyway, so I went and made the, made this appearance for him. Uh, so I, I do that occasionally. Uh, I have what the, I'm on what they call a nostalgia or a legends contract, and uh, so that's okay. But it's not I'm not you know gainfully employed by that. But I, I don't find it difficult because I you know I you know it's like I'm so far removed from you know like from the industry as a whole. If you know what I'm saying. Sure. Sure. Do Do you still follow uh, the product at all? Not really. I mean, and and only because I'm so busy doing other things. You know, people ask me that all the time. They go, you know, I said, gosh, you know, you you know, did it so. It was so much of a part of your life. You know, you don't, you know, you you don't still follow it. And I said, well, I'll be honest with you. I said, I don't, I don't, I don't have three hours a week or five hours a week. No, there are people that love wrestling that don't. The people that that all they do. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And and uh, you know, I don't, I don't have that much time. And. Uh, uh, so I, I don't get to, to watch it that that much, um, and uh, you know, like you know, it's changed a lot of people, and of course, the fans that are fans of me that that were kids when I was in my prime, you know, they're they're the older generation, you know, and they're like, gosh, you know, I'm not so crazy about this new stuff. They're just a whole lot of talk and not enough action for us. And I go, well, to each each, each his own, but obviously, there, there's a whole generation out there that loves them because. Every time I go back for WrestleMania, it is packed, um, and they're and they're still setting records. You know, you, you talked about before flying in jets, and, and your character fame, and you famously were so immersed in your character that they would, you know, have you ride in in the fancy cars, ride the jets, ride in first class. And in today's generation, it, it's so different. You have people, especially on social media, you know, constantly breaking character, sometimes breaking character on screen. What what do you think of the differences in in wrestling in that way, where we went from having to stay in character at all times to flaunting the fact that it is just a character now? Well, you know, and I I don't know so much uh, 
because you know, people keep going, well, you, you, you literally became that character. And I go, well, no, I didn't really become the character. I mean, uh, now, yeah, uh, I, I, I got on a huge ego trip because all of a sudden I'm going, <laughs> I'm riding around Learjets in limousines. Uh, but there was a lot of guys that weren't riding around Learjets and limousines that were just as famous as I was, that were going to the same towns that I was, that were wrestling in front of the same people I was, and they were having the same problems I was. You know, so it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like we had become, you know, I, I, I compared to like a rock star, you know, and and the travel and, and how, how long you're gone and, and, and the ilks that come along with that. Uh, sometimes with fame, you don't have to look for trouble. It'll come knock on your door and find you. Um, and again, can those be th- those things be avoided? Yes, if you put the safeguards in your life to make sure that they don't happen. You know, uh, I call it accountability. You know, I still travel. I mean, I'm a minister, and most of my traveling is on weekends, so I'm not gone uh, like I was before. But most weekends, I'm 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 out somewhere. I'm at a church. I'm doing something somewhere, whether it's two days or three days, and uh, and I've built those safeguards into my life. You know, I you know I won't. Uh, uh, just the little things. I, you know, it's, uh, I check into a hotel. Do you have in-room movies in your hotel? Uh, yes, we do. Do you have X-rated movies? Uh, yes, we do. I said, turn them off. Well, sir, if we turn those off, then we got to turn them all off. Well, turn them all off. Now, I had no intention of watching an X-rated movie, but where I am today, I'm not. I'm. It, it's, it's like I'm going to depart from that. I'm going. I'm not going to let anything interfere with that. I won't. Uh, you know, it's like. If I'm going to speak for a church, uh, I'll say, "Well, who's coming to pick me up?" You know, and they go, "Well, man, yeah, probably so." You know, I said, "Well, if you, you know, if they're sending a, a female, I said, well, you know, don't send a female, or if you do, don't send her alone." And again, I, you know, I'm I'm so far past that. But the, my point, the point I'm making is, I've put, placed these safeguards, these pegs in my life to where. I'm going to make dead certain that these things don't happen and I don't have the opportunity to go there again. Ted, have you, you know, either reached out uh, yourself or had professional wrestlers today reach out to you um, knowing your story, what you've been through, uh, about how, and current or former, about how you might be able to help them? Uh, yes, yes, I have. Uh, one surprising, I mean, um, and I didn't realize, and now now he's he's gone. Georgie Animal Steel, in the documentary. I see. I did, I did not, you know, when when Pete, the director, was doing all of this, he was going. He was setting setting up these these uh, these opportunities to interview these guys. And so the first time I see it, I'm watching it, and Georgie Animal Steel's talking about because you know, he was in, uh, you know, when when this all happened to me that when the dam broke, it was just after WrestleMania eight, and I had called home the next day, and and my wife had discovered uh, the adultery, and I don't want to talk about it on the phone. I'll be on the next plane home. She said, "No, you won't. You don't live here anymore." Click. Hmm. Then I had to get on a plane to fly to Europe for a European tour. It's the last thing I wanted to do. And I was only there like a day or two, and it was like a phone call, like, "Okay, we're you know, this is my pastor calling me saying you need to get on the next plane home." And I went to Georgia and said, "Look, I'm leaving." They can fire me if they want to. Uh, you know, the, my life as I know it's probably over. And I, I shared with him, you know, what the deal was and on the plane. So with George, 
George says I, he said he he talks about remembering seeing that being that with being there with me when that happened and then coming to hear me speak when I was in Lakeland, Florida. And initially he said my thought was ah you know uh, you know he went through this thing and he's you know he he you know he was but he said he said but as Ted spoke and he was said he was so raw and so transparent he says I realized he was totally being totally honest and open. And then he said, he said, this was actually the beginning of my own personal journey to God. I never knew that. And George had never really shared that with me. Hmm. But that's just one, one case. There's, there's other guys that, you know, I think I was, uh, Sting is another guy who, uh, my, my story had some influence in his life, but it was like, Connecting the dots, you know, something would happen, and then he, you know, then here's my story. And, you know, I, I always say this: I, I believe God's got a way of getting your attention when He wants to, and uh, and so I was one of the pegs along the way. Sean Michaels, you know, Sean. Uh, when I heard about Sean uh, becoming a Christian, I called him and I said, "Look, I go to this conference out in Phoenix on an annual basis, and it's just really great. He ought to join me." And you know, he did, which you know did did a lot to. You know, strengthen his resolve and his own personal faith. So, yeah, there's there's been some guys along the way that that uh, that I've tried to help. That's cool. He is again Ted DiBiase. The the film is Tuesday night theaters nationwide. It's called The Price of Fame, and you can find out more at thepriceoffame.com. Ted, I, I'm a nerdy wrestling fan. Can I ask you a wrestling question? Is that sure. all right? So, I see um, recently there've been a lot of stories about. Uh, performers that have literally walked out of the company because they've been unhappy about the direction of their characters, um, that, that, the creative aspect of it. I, it's fascinating to me because you guys are performers, right? Like, you, you, you right. aren't your character. Um, you know, Ted DiBiase, as you just said, right? Like, you, you aren't actually the million-dollar man. You're, you're, you're two different. There's a person and a character. Right. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine the situation where... You know, you're told, "Hey, your job is to lose tonight." And again, you're an actor. Your 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 job is to do what it's on the script. And you say, "I don't want to do that. I'm going to walk out." And can you can you shed some light into wrestlers and dealing with this? Because it's fascinating to me. Because I certainly get the concept of I'm going to sell more T-shirts if I'm the champion and I'm winning and all that sort of stuff. And I I, I wonder if this is something that has existed well before now. Well, you know, uh, <laughs> it's. Yeah. Uh, again, uh, you know, people ask me this, gosh, Ted, you know, you, you, you were one of the guys that should have been the world champion. And, you know, the story is told about how at WrestleMania four, you know, it was, it was thought of that that's, you know, initially that was the thing that was probably going to be done. And it was talked about, uh, but then, uh, Pat Patterson came to me and said, Ted, he says, Hey, look, he says, rather than, if, you know, we can put the belt on you and then you have this running with Hogan and, you know, uh, but you know, if you're a heel champion, you know, in the WWF, you're short-lived because, you know, uh, we want our champions to be the hero, and so did the little kids, and I get it. And and he said, so if, if, if you don't win the tournament, and in your arrogance, create your own title. And as soon as the words came out of his mouth, I just went, do it. That's, that's, do that, because that will put a ton of heat on me. It'll make everybody totally, hey, what an arrogant, you know, SOB, and, and, and I'll make more money with that than I ever would being the world champion. It worked out and, okay. And, so, and that's, <laughs> the, that's the difference. It's like, you know, it's a business. It's a business. And uh, 
you know, uh, you, you do what's best for business, and sometimes it's not always what's best for you. It's like the hot dog quarterback who's more interested in his own stats than he's than he's interested in what's good for the team and the game. It's an interesting way of putting. I, I I certainly do understand. Like that being said. You're trying to look out for yourself, right? Like at the end of the day, hey, the company's all well and good. I I need to take care of my family. You know what I mean? I need to take care of of what's best for me. And I I don't think that's an easy situation, right? Like it's well, it, no, no. And I I would say it's a fine line to walk. Uh, but I, you know, I remember a conversation that I had with with Vince. I mean, like when I first went to work for him. He said, "Ted, we can agree to disagree." He says, "I, you know, I don't want a bunch of yes guys." I said, "He said, but he says if you, he says if there's something you don't like, he says let me know about it." He said, "But don't come like you know uh, like a, it was a saying J, JYD used to say. He said, "Don't like a don't come like a cabbage, all head no rear." <laughs> he said, "You got to bring some to get some." In other words, if you don't like something, don't just come to me and tell me you don't like it. Give me an idea. Give me another direction we can go. Yeah. He said, but here's what you need to remember. At the end of the day, we're spending my money. And as long as we're spending my money, I'm going to do what I think is best for my company. And, you know, what what do you say to that? No doubt. More often than not, it's worked for him. Uh Uh-huh. You know, I, I got to ask, I was, uh, when I heard that we had a chance to talk to you, I go, I was, I was out with a few friends, some of them who used to watch wrestling, but not. I mentioned, you know, I'm interviewing Ted DiBiase to them. They, they hesitated. Then I do an impression of your laugh, and all of a sudden their eyes lit up. So I, I got to ask, what's it like to have one of the most distinctive laughs in the history of the world? <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's funny because – that that laugh. I mean, I have a very deep voice. My actually, my biological father was a professional singer. You know, he's, he was a backup singer for Tennessee Ernie Ford. So very very deep. But I <laughs> unfortunately I couldn't carry a tune if it had handles on it. But um, that that laugh is an exaggeration of my laugh. And again, Vince McMahon. This you know things that just happened. We were doing promos. This is back when we were doing promos for individual markets. And me and Gene would be going, hey, you know, next Thursday in Baltimore, you know, blah, 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 you know, so, and I cut the promo. So I cut this promo, and I, you know, I don't, I can't even remember what the promo was, but at the end of it, I, I cocked my head back, and I laughed like that, and Vince happened to be walking by and heard it, and he stuck his head in the door, and he looked at me, and he said, that's it. That's the million-dollar man, and I want to hear that laugh every promo. And there you go. So wow. I tell people now, I go, it's a 19-year wrestling career. What does everybody remember about Ted DiBiase? <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Oh, that's awesome. That is so, so awesome. Uh, Ted, we have kept you for far longer than we were supposed to, and, and we can't appreciate it more because it's an honor to chat with you. We can't wait for Tuesday night and the opportunity to see the film. Uh, it is such a super compelling story. The Price of Fame in theaters nationwide. You can find out more by going to thepriceoffame.com. Ted, is there anything else that we can plug for you, sir? Uh, no, guys. Right now, that's 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 the that's the bullet, man. I'm just hoping that everybody can get out and see it. Yeah, again. If you go to thepriceoffame.com and you enter, I think, your zip code, you can find out what theaters that it's playing at in your, your area. And it is a one-night one event, a Fathom event, 7 p.m. in your time zone. Uh, and uh, I hope you, you know, I don't think you'll be disappointed. There's, there's bonus feature. There's, there's, there's 
before the film, and then there's uh, a couple of interviews afterwards. I have a lengthy, lengthy conversation with Shawn Michaels, uh, you know, after the actual film for for the people who go out to see it. So that is awesome. That is I hope awesome. Everybody comes out. At MDM, Ted DiBiase on Twitter as well. Ted, we can't say enough. What a thrill it is to get to chat with you, sir. You have uh, given us amazing memories uh, and, and some of our favorite moments throughout the history of professional wrestling. Thank you for taking the time and uh, continued success and, and just uh, wonderful vibes to you and to your family. Thank you so much, guys. God bless you. So there you go. Uh, 30 minutes of chatting with Ted DiBiase. That was a thrill. Uh, obviously, uh, someone who... Uh, you know, is, uh, feels a direction and a calling in his life, and uh, appreciate him taking the time for us. Welcome. We got the, wait, wait, we wait, got the laughing. Wait, 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 wait. So I, I didn't hear the interview yet, obviously, because I'm here. Um, uh, you guys did the interview without me. This hasn't been uploaded yet, so I'm just guessing. Well, actually, it's been Basically, up for it's been up for two days. So, or yeah, for oh. four days. So, other than uh, that, though, you nailed it. I meant this. I meant this episode. Oh, okay. However. The point I'm making is this. I don't know what was said. Uh-huh. But did you guys ask him if he ever jerked off twice a day because uh, you saw the Ric Flair documentary first? No, I did not do that. I did oh, not do that. Because, because of what you guys said. You, the way you guys set it up and said, yeah, we found out he wasn't doing that. Well, no, no, no. Like, we yeah. found that out because he said literally that he would go to uh, – I mean, you, you heard it in the interview – he said uh, he's he's so afraid of of what his own vices that when he shows up at a hotel he forces them to turn off his ability to order porn on on the TV. Yes. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's why that came up. That's why that came up. All right, let's uh, let's wind down. No, maybe we need to start asking that of every person. I actually don't disagree every with that. Interview, <laughs> I don't disagree. Do you jerk off two days a day? Yeah, right. Two times a day like Ric Flair. Oh, no doubt. All right, uh, let's get some. Uh, is there anything else that we haven't covered? We're good, right? We can wrap up for the week. There, there's a couple things I'd like to, but we, we can talk about it next I mean, week. No, yeah, well, hang no, on, yeah, hit yeah. them up. What are they? I mean, what are they? Real quick. I'm just, uh, about, to walk, I'm just about to walk through security. So. Just, yeah, just really right. quickly, one, Stephen Amell's doing something with Ring of Honor and the Bullet Club, so that's going to be okay, interesting. That probably won't suck. Amazing. Yeah, Some right. main, mainstream exposure for Ring of Honor can't be a bad thing. And again, the Bullet Club is everything right now in wrestling, pretty much. Um, yeah, I mean, no doubt. That's that's great. Tremendous. Wow. A win-win for everybody. Yes. And um, th this something you guys, probably not quite on your radar. Uh, Minami Toyota, arguably the greatest women's wrestler in the history of wrestling, retired this past weekend. She did a gauntlet match featuring 51-minute matches of like some <laughs> of her greatest rivalries, some new people. She is the greatest. She is... She has, I think, 18 five-star matches from Dave Meltzer. If you if you haven't seen her 90s stuff, it holds up today. Is that um, good? Yeah, right. Do you want that many? Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Just, 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 just slightly good. Uh, go back, find some of her work from the 90s. And and by the way, Bull Nakano was one of the, those wrestlers. She looks incredible right now. I just have to say that right now. That's cool. Uh, but uh, yeah, Minami Toyota, if you haven't seen her work for any of our listeners – Go and look at it because it, it was revolutionary in the 90s and it holds up today, which isn't something you can say very often in wrestling. Correct. Awesome. awesome. Very good. All right, let's get some plugs in. AJ, we'll start with you. Um, uh, we got to plug Frank. We got to plug the Francis Sports Academy. And you got to plug uh, what you're doing coming back up this way in the next couple of weeks. All right. So, yeah. So, uh, I am luckily uh, been blessed with the opportunity to have people that actually cared about my music <laughs> and like 
it's 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 from a point that like I always felt like I made really good music, but no one cared. And for some reason now people do. So today marks the two month anniversary of uh, OTA being dropped. And I just checked my Spotify. In two months, OTA has 55,000 streams. That's incredible. On Spotify alone. Uh, not to mention, you know, I got iTunes, Tidal, Google Play. Yeah, some of us actually things. paid for the record. <clears throat> yes, you hmm. know. Some of us. Some uh, and of us then I've also, yeah, and then I also had people pay for the record, absolutely. Yeah, it's crazy. Right? Uh, some people. And, uh, well, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure everybody involved with this show did. I mean, clearly. Oh, yeah, for sure. Your I, I mean, I'm, I'm positive. Yeah, all right. Positive. Uh, but, but like, so, uh, I've actually been given opportunities. I'll be performing, uh, in DC, in the DC Baltimore area, uh, very soon. I'll be performing at Tony Red's birthday party on, uh, November 22nd. And, uh, if you can follow me on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter at AJ Francis 410, and, um, you'll be able to find all the information for that. Um, I'm performing there. I'm probably going to be performing at the Titan Art Awards, which is like an award show in D.C. Uh, in uh, December. I'm probably going to perform at halftime of a Maryland game. Uh, we're trying to set that up. Uh, I have... Back- Are you going to march with the mighty sound of Maryland? Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not at all. Uh, I'm, I might actually... Um, I might actually uh, end up doing... Uh, a tour with Fat Trail, which, you know, wow, you know, I don't know if you guys know who Fat Trail is, but he signed a Maybach music group That's with awesome. Wale and Meek Mill. Wow. So I, there's a lot going on for me musically. If you want to check, if you haven't checked out the music and you want to, um, you can follow me on all of the social media outlets I've said at AJ Francis 410, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Um, and uh, you can, I'll have all my information on there at all times. Uh, and then Francis Sports Academy, I'm about to be training people in Orlando. So if you know somebody that wants to come to Orlando and get, you know, some real work in, uh, you, you can follow me on all those same social media outlets. And uh, I also have a food drive that yep. Glenn alluded to um, that is going on at the University of Maryland where we're going to be collecting canned goods for uh, like a homeless shelter called Sarah's House in fort meade maryland right off of the fort meade uh, army base and um we're going to be collecting all the canned goods at basketball games a men's basketball game at maryland a women's basketball game at maryland a volleyball game at maryland and the penn state football game at maryland wow. so it's, wow. it's going to be it's uh it's going to be a big big event um and those are great games to come to by the way so <laughs> you should definitely come out and support and um, anybody that wants to bring canned goods and non-perishables, bring them to any of those games. Um, on the 15th, no, I'm sorry, on the 18th, the 21st, the 24th, and the 25th at the University of Maryland. So come out, have a good time. That's all for awesome. me, Awesome, awesome. Very good, very good. All right, uh, get out of here. We love you. Um, love you. Aaron, you. Me. Oh, I'm right. on Twitter, at the Aoster. Go ahead. Just keep doing it. You can do it yourself. We are on Twitter at Jobbing Out Show. You can email us, jobbingoutshow at gmail.com. Um, with everything breaking over the past week, uh, just keep your eye out on the Baltimore Sun. I'll probably have articles covering all of those things. And uh, it's a big couple of weeks for Ring of Honor, so I'm probably going to be end up, and we might end up talking to someone from Ring of Honor on this show as well. But uh, yeah, just keep your eye out for that on, at uh, the Baltimore Sun. Very good. I'm on Twitter at Glenn Clark Radio. GlennClarkRadio.com is my website. Thanks again to Rory Carp, the director of Nature Boy, as well as to the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. 
for Aaron Oster and for the main event. Vent. Vent. AJ Francis, I'm Glenn. <laughs> this is Ben jobbing out. Jobbing out.